Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fucks? That was a Kurt one. I hope everybody's all right. I am doing okay. Today is a important day. I will share with you what that is about in just a second. But first, I'd like to say Atlanta, Georgia, and any anybody within a three to 500-mile radius who's willing to travel, this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I will be at the Laughing Skull Lounge in Atlanta, Georgia. That is... August 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. I believe there are two shows there a night. Go to uh, VortexComedy.com and you can get the information on that. So why is today a special day? Today is August 9th. It won't be August 9th for more than a day. So if you're listening to this on another day, obviously it's past. But today is August 9th. And that, that is the sign that signifies my 11th year of sobriety that is today august 9 2010 11 years clean and sober not perfect not sane not happy but sober am i supposed to be those other things i believe i am but i don't know doesn't always work out that way am i condescending or uh, arrogant about my sobriety no i'm not not at all how did i do it a lot of ways but i don't want to get into that directly on this show right now got me into a little trouble a little bit of trouble relative uh to uh an interesting bit of trouble actually pow whoa i shit my sober pants with that that's just coffee.coop you can go there you can go to wtfpod.com pick yourself up some just coffee wtf blend they'll kick me a little a little change a few shekels if you get yourself some wtf blend so consider that at justcoffee.coop. Why did I get into trouble? How did I get into trouble from a sober person? Well, look, you know, I've been honest with you guys before. I do engage in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I have. I do. You can choose however much you want to engage in it. If it helps you, it helps you. But somebody reached out to me and said, look, you know, the reason why they have a policy, there is a policy within AA that says, look, you know, no publicity. You, you know, you don't publicize it. It's attraction rather than promotion. And I thought, well, fuck, I'm helping people. But the interesting thing is, and I always thought that the whole promotion thing was really about protecting your anonymity. You don't want to, you don't want to, you, you know, let the cat out of the bag so people judge you in the wrong way. A lot of people don't like knowing that someone's an AA because they don't understand the thing and they decide that person's a freak, has got problems. Unlike, you know, of course, a person that would say something like that. Huh? Yeah. All right. Well, no, the issue really is that if somebody is a, in, a, in the public's eye and is in AA and then fucking gets drunk, drives off a cliff or, or kills some people, wasted or whatever, the, the concern is that it will make AA look bad. I thought that was pretty perceptive. I don't know what it was, but I, I heeded the warning. And that's why uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, to talk about it as uh, deeply as I might have on this day, the 11th year of my sobriety. Today is the anniversary of that, August 9th. 
I get a lot of emails from you guys, a lot of people thanking me for my honesty about sobriety, some people uh, citing me as a, an inspiration for them to get sober. In all honesty, it's a fucking pain in the ass. Sobriety can be a fucking nightmare because you don't have anywhere else to go with your insanity. At least when you drink or do drugs, when you're sitting there going, I'm fucked, I'm in trouble, God damn it, everything sucks, how do I stop this anxiety, why are there bugs in my head, how do I sit down for two minutes, what the fuck am I going to do, at least you can knock back a few beers, smoke a little weed, pump a bunch of nightmare into your veins, whatever it is that you're going to do to take the edge off, you don't get to do that, so it's a little more difficult, but you find other ways. I mean, there's all, you know, there's, there's the path of chronic masturbation. There's also the path of compulsive eating. You know, some people enjoy a little gambling. You know, some people, uh, you know, like to yell at people. Some people, uh, uh, there's a million ways you can act out and, and get your, uh, your ridiculous addictive needs met. Go shopping, spend some money. That's a rush. Or else you could try to sit through the cravings and the discomfort and come out the other side a little more open, maybe a little more sensitive, maybe a little raw, but nonetheless, without having tried to fill the hole that was punched in you by a bad upbringing or by some ridiculous karmic debt that was laid on you from another life, something genetic, who the fuck knows? But I will tell you that I am, I am, I'm fairly, I'm fairly okay today. Not great, not great, but uh, happy to be sober. And my guest today is also sober. This is kind of interesting. This is a, we talk a little bit about the Jew thing here on WTF occasionally. We get into the Jew thing. Well, this guy's really a, a Jew in, in a certain way. I mean, more Jewy than I was ever brought up, but he's not as Jewy now. This is the interesting thing. When I was younger, I always thought that Jews were special. I, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know if I was brought up with that. Uh, I guess there is sort of a, a, a bit of Jewish exceptionalism in, in, built into the religion, built into middle-class Jewness. But I remember I, I, got, I got shattered with that. I always thought Jews were special. They were just the, the most intelligent. They always were the, you know, in the best jobs, and they, always, uh, you know, they were important and this and that. I just didn't think that, you know, I didn't think that Jews like, could be plumbers. Yeah, I didn't think that Jews could be uh, police officers or boxers. And I worked at a, a deli back in Boston, Gordon's up in Nottingham, Pottingham Circle. Not there anymore. Old Jewish deli. And I met the, a, a retired Jewish cop. I, I met a Jewish contractor, but not uh, that kind of contractor, like the guy who puts a contract out on people. I met Jewish plumbers. I, in Boston, I met working class Jews. I met a, uh, a, a guy who made a fortune collecting Coke bottles when he was uh, a young man and Coke eventually hired him. He was in his 80s when I met him. And he, he then now had stock in Coca-Cola and made a fortune. Th this doesn't mean anything other than uh, my, my, my illusions were shattered in that apparently, you know, Jews. And there were Jewish boxers. My buddy Charlie Miller, who's a painter, did an entire series of Jewish boxers. You should, you should go check those out. This guy, Charlie Miller, just did a series. Apparently, there was a, a tremendous amount uh, of, uh, of Jewish boxers back in the 20s. And, and he does these amazing paintings. You should, you should really check them out. I don't know if they're up anywhere, but you can go to jewishboxers.net and see Charlie Miller's paintings. Wonderful painter. And go to sixmoremiles.com to see his other paintings. He likes paintings. He likes painting fuck-ups. 
There's a lot of picture, a lot of paintings of rock and roll fuck ups. He also did the cover of my uh, my book, Jerusalem Syndrome. So this all aside, the Jewishing, as you know, I'm not that connected to it, but I am culturally uh, in it. And years ago, I remember doing a show in Houston, Texas, and I used to do about 15 minutes on being a Jew. It was it wasn't I, I never could figure out how to do stuff on being a Jew, so I rarely did it. But then I figured it out, so it wasn't so it wasn't so uh, hackneyed or predictable. And I liked my Jew stuff, but it was a pretty big chunk. And then after that show in Houston, Texas, a guy comes up to me, and goes, "You're a pretty funny, dude, but uh, you're not really a Jew, are you? Why would I make that up? Why would I make up the Jew stuff? Out of all the things I would make up and do in Texas, why would it be I'm a Jew stuff?" That I didn't understand. So let's talk to Moshe Kasher. He has been on the show before. He was at one of the live shows, and I got a, a significant amount of emails suggesting that he come on for an entire show because he's so fucking interesting that I asked him to do it, and and he did it. So let's enjoy that now, Mr. Moshe Kasher. What do you mean overgrown flies? They were like large, like big mean looking knuckle sized flies in your uh, in your new place yeah man and I, I was like couldn't figure out where they'd come from and it was like a like a horror movie and i like sprayed them all with bleach i was like afraid i had fear you sprayed them with bleach yeah did it work yeah they died so this is your new place out in back of that person's house. Yeah, in between two houses. Moshe Kasher is in the uh, garage now, at, for, back by popular demand. Uh, yeah, I was surprised. Well, I mean, mean, I mean, don't go crazy. I mean, a few people were <laughs> like, "That guy seemed to have some shit, like some life story that we needed to hear." Yeah, I agree. You know, it wasn't enough, Kasher. Agreed. Now we're all going to have to indulge the outdoor noises. There's a lot of construction going, on. now there's a flying here. I see. I, it might see have come from me. Maybe you're attracting flies. Maybe you've really got to re-fucking think who you are, dude. Well, I was thinking that that's what I was talking to somebody last night. It's like maybe the place is haunted and maybe like the next time I jerk off, I'm just going to like ejaculate 60 flies and then- But that would be coming from you. That would not be a haunt. That would mean you're the demon. If I right. read, I know that to be true. I knew a guy that ejaculated <laughs> flies. 60? No, it was more, it was like 35, but okay, still right. bad sign. He was yeah. on his way to a problem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's like, this isn't bad yet, but we're, yeah. this is something to uh, yeah. notice. 15 more flies come out of my dick, I'm in trouble. <laughs> it's like my cholesterol in yeah, many ways. Now, I just went to the doctor. I didn't talk about that on the podcast either, but I did, and I, I'm, I'm awaiting my cholesterol numbers. So your, your bad cholesterol was high? My good cholesterol was high. My overall cholesterol was too high. Well, what was your bad cholesterol? Must have been high. I don't know. The rest? There's two. There's like two or three numbers there. Well, it's just to me, it's just crazy that I am still buying jeans at Urban Outfitters and get a high cholesterol test back. Like it means something's wrong on some level. Yeah, you know what's wrong is you're judging whether or not your health is appropriate to your fucking place where you shop because you're young. That's what I'm saying. It's like why don't you just say I'm I'm, I'm sad. <laughs> That I have high cholesterol because I'm 30 years old. How old are you? Right. I'm 30 years old. Right. As opposed to like, I shouldn't, that doesn't match my haircut, my high cholesterol. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, no, I meant it's more of an indication of where I'm at as a developed person. It's like, I'm a person with high cholesterol in my body, but my I'm so desperate to remain young looking that I'm buying tight pants at Urban Outfitters. You can wear tight pants all you want. You, you, type, you don't need t pants to hide your cholesterol. That's right. <laughs> no one's going to see that until right. you clutch your chest <laughs> yeah, at a right. restaurant. Yeah, when I go down, when I go down hard. 
Well, we were in Ireland together, and I guess we can start there. All right. Because we spent a lot of quality time. Yeah, we're buddies now, right? Yeah, well, I listen to a lot of your inflated sense of self because of what's <laughs> going on in your life. And I, you know, I, I listened to it, and I kind of took it because I'm like, he's at that point now where he thinks everything's going to work out. And what was exciting for me in watching you was that... Um, You've been riding pretty high lately, and you got the <laughs> you got the you kind of got the wind knocked out. Yeah, that's that would be that's a very apt uh, sort of uh, metaphor for it. I I was by the end of that week I was shaken. Uh, I haven't had you know you know you get to a point where you were you're, paranoid on the street. I I thought I was paranoid. Uh, people, I thought that people were like nudging each other, pointing, laughing, mocking me, making fun of me, and then my next thought, my trained like you know recovery mind or whatever yeah said you're being you're being total no one's talking about you you're being paranoid and self-centered you think the world of yourself but nobody is even thinking about you and then i got to that party that night and this lady came up to me and was like why were those men pointing and laughing and making fun of you and i was like i knew it well moshe let's be honest you walk around with your ridiculous haircut (laughs) And and, I just don't know why the people in Ireland are making fun of me. I mean, I had my short, I had my short shorts on, <laughs> no shirt, jerking off, screaming, "I hate the Irish, England forever!" Yeah. and they were all staring. Who knew? Yeah, why would that weird. happen? It's now, you're, you're right. It's, they're fucked up for doing that. But what what did happen? Because I remember there, we both of you and I were walking around, sort of like, "Well, last night was bad." Yeah, and then like you had one show, like it's like that one was good. Right. And then the next yeah. time I saw you, you're like, "I got to go back to the hotel." Yeah. Oh, it got to the point where I literally, after the first night, had to go back to the hotel. And oh, then you- well, I went back to the hotel a few different times, and then I would, I would gather my courage. I would summon my courage and say, if I stay in the hotel, it will look like I'm staying in the hotel. And again, no one would have noticed. Yeah, but, no one cared but about I summoned us. My, yeah, I summoned my courage and walked back to the party every night because I didn't want to let the bastards get me down. Yeah. And I assume that they are bastards. I'm, I assume that they literally have never met their fathers. Um, or a Jew. Or a Jew. Who yeah. are, well, God the Father was a Jew. Yeah. Well, no, I guess God the Son. Yeah, Jesus. I, I get confused Jew. about yeah. Jesus. But um, but it was interesting, and it shook my confidence. Th- uh, on a, it did. It shook my confidence. Yeah, you're pretty shaken up. Yeah, and you can't dress like you dress and not be confident. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why they were probably laughing at you, is because you were you feel shaken up and you were dressed. Right, kind of. Oh, like they maybe like you're a, saying they could taste it on like my aura, dandy. my energy, yeah. something about my energy. Like, look at this. Yeah, your essence was was uh, shaky. I believe that because, like, you get to the point. I'm sure you get to the point. Like, you know, I felt. You know, you feel like as a comic at certain points. Like, I'm. I, I okay. I've I've finally gotten to be. I'm bulletproof. I might have negative sets. I might have not great sets, but I'm not gonna have a bad set. I'm past that. And then, if you never had that feeling, no. I've talked to a lot of comics that feel like that. Like. Because it's a, it, 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 I guess so. I mean, but it's it's really relative to what bad means. I well, mean, oh yeah, not like I'm gonna only have good sets from now on, but like you might not stink and tank. Right. You might not like have like a horrendous crickets bomb. Right. But right. you can still have bad sets. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Doubt. But then, so I hadn't had a bad set in a long, a bad set in a long time, and I fe- I felt like I'd had like I had three in a row in Ireland. Awesome. And so by the end of the third, which by the way. Uh, I got a really good review on one of the ones that I now, that to. you were so funny because you were like, you know, as bad as this was, the press is going to float me. You know, it's I like true. The, it's yeah, true though. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I should say this on a podcast because maybe then they're going to take it back or whatever. What do you mean <laughs> they're going to take it back? They're going to retract the press? No one cares about that. <laughs> no, it's, but no. Uh, oh, okay. Here's what happened. Thursday night, I had a I had a really good show. Yeah, and most of the people that 
were the most of the press that was there uh, that saw me saw me at that show. So you know, thank thankfully that was good. It was not a seamless easy show. No, I know, but they don't care about that. They know it's a fight. We're just whiny bitches. And and the thing is, it's so what? You know, just buck up and get to the next one. We just had to figure out what worked and what didn't work. Right. And if a press sees you, they're going to look at you in different ways. It's not about audience response. Yeah, no doubt. But by the end of the thing, uh, uh, by the way, you know that someone's, oh, we talk, we've talked about how someone screamed, screamed next during my bat, my worst set. Yeah, it's a, so, that's a bad heckle. Oh, it was bad. But that's what I've written the joke about, which I'm really happy about. So I'm glad he did that. And you know what? I, I hope that guy. I hope that guy just found out he has leukemia. So I'll just I'll, I'll bless him for that. But so good. You're 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 bigger. You take the high the road. The bigger man. I like yeah. The, yeah. I, like, I don't want. Yeah. I like the high road. <laughs> the high road is littered with people that you want dead. The high road is littered with Irishmen with leukemia. Mm. And I am the man with the uh, the magical flask. Let's still come back to bite you in the ass. What's that? The you know the like you know the wishing ill on people. Do you well? The truth is, I don't actually want that guy to have look. That's part of. But see, you ride that line where it's like it's part of your comedic angle, but like you know, but it's it's very close to you know, true. To no, you think that I really want the guy die to die? No, no, no. I think it's funny, but like still, like once you manifest that, I don't believe in that. In what? In manifestation of energies based on on like. You know, I mean, like, if I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Like, okay, for example, like, I believe in I believe in God. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Are you a fucking asshole? <laughs> no, I'm a See, good guy. But did that have effect on you? No, of course <laughs> words have effect on stuff. Oh, okay. I don't mean, I don't mean, and also if you tell yourself every morning I'm a piece of shit, eventually you're going to start m- matching the, your affect to become a piece of shit. Mm. I get that. Like, if you got, you got to, right. but I don't believe that, like, if you wish ill on a person in a joke that you're karmically eventually ill will come to you. In some, I just don't because I'm just kidding. Because okay, right. But what if it's misunderstood? Are you, you're saying that? Oh, I guess oh, that guy could be like, find me and kill me. Yeah. Mm. Oh well, I you mean, didn't think of it that way. Yeah, I didn't think of it that. In way. In the I beginning, guess. there was the word. All we have is the word. It's very powerful. I guess. Yeah, language is powerful, but also uh, um, context is powerful. Sure. So if I'm kidding, I'm kidding, and that's I guess that comes you, back comes back to the problem with with Ireland mm-hmm. is that oh, I'll give you a great example. Yeah. I have this bit when I when I start off in a in a headlining set where I, I will often someone will laugh at the way that I look before I start talking. And yeah. I and, and if they don't I I do a trick where I kind of bob my head a little bit to make them laugh, sure, but sure. they don't know that that's happening. Sure. I and, bet you're looking at me thinking blah 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 blah. Yeah, like I'm the the bastard child of, you know, uh anyway. You do no, that one? I don't do that. You I don't say, do any version of that? No version of that. I say uh, ever I've never done okay, a Okay, all right. Well, who ahead. do I look like a, a... I don't know. What is your joke to make people laugh at you more? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Actually, but people w- did, were calling me uh, Boy George McFly at Montreal, some of my buddies. I thought that was kind of a cool... Yeah. Boy George a, McFly. Kind of got a retro feel to it. Yeah, yeah, it's very me. But anyway, I will say, thank you for, very much for the preliminary laugh at my physical appearance. I appreciate that. That's how I know the show's going to go well when you start laughing, not at the jokes I wrote, but the body I was cursed with. Go fuck yourself. That's sort of how that... that now, in America, I've literally never had that not have an explosive reaction. In Ireland, literally every time I said that, I could feel the audience go, go fuck yourself. Why would he say that? Why would he say go fuck yourself? Where's the audience? What What did we do? And like, so to me, that typifies what was happening. Like they couldn't, there was no space between what I was saying and what I could be meaning. Cause well, in that, the, it's because your tone is very, it's there. there's a subtlety to your aggression that, right. that, I think that in in you know if here 
given the context you know, of a comedy club. I, don't, I just think they wouldn't have known whether this American's just cranky or not. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas here, everybody goes, oh, I, I mean, they don't think this, but yeah. they, their mind knows that I'm, they go, oh, I get it. This isn't really about him saying, go fuck yourself to me. It's really about him having low self-esteem about the way that he looks. And he's doing a bit where he's upset that people always laugh at him. And there's he's a, a lot going on. Yeah. And that just happens automatically for, right. and in Ireland. That, that, translation wasn't happening they were right just like, well they just saw mad? Like, he's mad because we he thinks we're thinking a certain thing right yeah there's definitely a separation between you know i don't know there i mean i thought a lot about it there's just cultural things that don't in, in, translate and they're not references they're actually ways Whoa. of thinking about self yeah i think that that's correct and i think that in whatever way i am was the w exact way that didn't fit into those grooves. Yeah, but I thought we were hard on ourselves too, though. I mean, once I figured out a way to sequence my bits and localize right. a couple of things, I did fine. Right. But it, it, unfortunately, it was the last night. I was <laughs> right. For the background, I mean, let's do this again, even though we talked about some of it on the live podcast, but you're, you're born to these Hasidic people. You grew up in a Hasidic household. It's more complicated than that. Well, let's complicate it up. All right. Let's well, go back to the beginning. How'd you get so fucked up huh. and then come out the other side? I was born by a river. Oh, and they found in a boat. No, I, both of my parents, let's start here. Both of my parents are deaf. Do you know that? Were they deaf before they were Jews? <laughs> or are they Jews? Wait, I'm trying to even understand that question. Well, I mean, were they always Jews and deaf people? Like, were your parents born Hasidim? No. Okay. okay. So, no. Uh, my it's so complicated. My my great grandfather moved over here from Hungary in like 1922, uh, before the Holocaust. He moved over alone. He got out. He got out, and he moved over alone and just started. That's foresight. Yeah. Well, Shit. the Jews are smart. I, well, actually, that's. Well, I mean, we saw the Holocaust coming, and we avoided it neatly, except for everybody. Some Jews are fucking stupid as everybody else. That's true. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's true. Some yeah. Jews are racist. They're horrible. They're, oh, lot, they're horrible. A lot of horrible Jews. Like I used to be into that whole Jewish elitism thing, or the Jewish uh, uh, uniqueness. What is it? Entitlement. Oh, uh, exceptionalism. Yeah, Jewish exceptionalism. It's not true. There's a lot of fucking morons who are no, Jews. No, uh, no doubt about it. But there is. Uh, I do believe in in some form of Jewish exceptionalism, but I don't believe in cosmic exceptionalism. Well, it's, it's exceptional because there's a tradition of education. I think that's correct. Yeah. And also there's a tradition of, you know, uh, talking. I mean, some yeah. of that's annoying. It's like whine, the whiny Jew is a manifestation of the, I mean, engaging. Yeah, when God said something, we said why, not yeah. like, okay. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, we had to, you know, and, then, and we never got the right answers, so there's a never-ending debate about right. it. Right, but some Jews are just cunts. I mean, the worst people. Oh, yeah, horrible. The Jews are terrible. Fat, disgusting, stubborn, just filthy chicken-eating, you oh. know, and we run the media. It's so funny we're going to get so specific. We run the media, but thank God I get my check. I got yeah. a check yesterday. Did you get your check? Well, yeah, and that's actually where you and I Don't met. Was love the health plan. Was at that money meet, the money the annual money meeting. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I did a, a, a prolonged bit about that where I basically owned up to it about the room and all the synagogues right. where we can go and just count money and yeah. hang out with the money. Swim in the coins. Sure, sure, sure. The, the Jews news, which we all get. You right. Know, we're, we, <laughs> we still own the media. We still own the world. Still. Yeah, yeah actually, um, strangely enough, my first publication that was uh, bequeathed upon me by the Zog, the Zionist Occupational Government, sure, of was uh, Jet Magazine. Yeah. Which was a, uh, it's a black magazine. And that's why you did the whole uh, baggy why, pants. Exactly. They needed you. Yeah, They right. needed you there. You and uh, the guy from Third Base. Uh, MC Search. Sure, you were the two. MC Search, man, an interesting guy. All right, so your parents are both deaf, but both they're deaf. not Hasidic Jews yet. So my great-grandfather moved over here yeah. and left the whole family behind, and he was incredibly- In Hungary. In Hungary, and yeah. he was incredibly religious. I thought you said incredible Jew. 
Yeah, no, well, yeah, he was. <laughs> and he was. We called him Zaidi, right? Zaidi yeah. means grandfather, but not. He was not everybody's grandfather, yeah. but he was just known as Zaidi. He the was grandfather the, of the, the Jewish he people. He was the mo- he was the motherfucking patriarch of that of my Beard? Of that family. I mean, the silk gown, fur strimal. You know the strimal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was the real thing. Okay, the real fucking deal, and uh, and he you know lorded over the family like a king. Well, my grandmother. Yeah, my father's mother. Yeah, resented deeply the fact that he moved away and left everybody behind. And so, while everybody followed in his footsteps, when he called for the family some twelve years later, she said, "Go fuck yourself." Which is, I mean, not literally, but c- close to literally. Okay, so he's the only one here from Hungary, and he brought yeah. your father with him. No, 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 no. He's my great grandfather. Oh, okay. And he brought my grandmother right. over. 12 years later, who hadn't okay. seen her father in 12 years. She said, fuck this, and just left. Became a pork-eating uh, American Communist Party member, uh, anti-religion, civil rights Your marching. Your father's mother. My father's mother. Civil rights marching, right, so hippie. Like my, right. Uh, the fo- from this Where she live? In Brooklyn. Yeah, there was a lot of that going around. Sure was. My yeah. great aunt was like that. Yeah, and she said, fuck religion. I never want to be affiliated with Jews again. I hate the Jews. And then she married my grandfather, a Yiddish uh, novelist from Poland. Oh, really? Yeah. So she was a commie, helped the black people, Jew. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and civil rights, atheist. Fuck religion. Yeah, socialist. And, and her father was as religious a person as could What's ever like have been. God. Was God. Okay, so your grandmother marries the, the Yiddish novelist. She's a commie. Right. He's a Yiddish novelist. Has your father. He's deaf. Correct. And not a Hasidim. No. At this point, they're pretty much not religious at all, but they're, it's from the time in Brooklyn where to be Jewish didn't mean to be some mealy white person with no actual cultural identity who goes, oh, I'm Jewish, ha, 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 but it was an actual cultural identity. He, he said a, things like, I'm a Jew. My, no, he said things like, oh, no, because he's deaf. deaf. Um, but, um, huh. he was, my dad was, my dad's passed away. Uh, but he was like that. He was like Zaidi. He was the, ne- he was the next lightning rod of, of charisma in my family. Right. But there's been a lot. Right. It's a very charismatic family. And he ev- eventually was raised in that world and was connected to Zaidi, which is how he got an affi- uh, a sort of affinity for Hasidic Judaism. Yeah. He married my mother. He met my mother, who was a non-Jew, uh, and she be- she converted to Judaism, and they became religious uh, together. So a were- non-Jewish deaf person. Non-Jewish deaf person. She converted. They became a Jewish couple together and were, and were pretty religious. But then, um, you know, uh, they divorced when I was nine months old. She essentially kidnapped us. She told my, my father we were going on vacation to visit my grandma in Oakland, and we never came back. We never returned. And... Um, and from that point on, my their relationship was one of hate, which is so interesting to me to think. I always think about your parents divorced. Yeah, so interesting to me to think that the day before they divorced, they're married, and then the day after they're divorced, they hate each other forever. It's like such a. It's I know how that happens. Huh? Oh, right. I bet you do. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it it evolves. Right. But I mean, but like if some if an action was taken. Right, but I my mean, mother, met, my mother hated him as much or more than he hated her. Sure, she chose to take you kids. Right. So that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, let's talk about this. Once they, like the communications break down where I'm like, I'm doing this, fuck you. Right. The hate comes. Yeah. And it's like this, and we had this narrative, you know, I mean, my mother had this narrative of a, of a heroism. You know, I, I rescued you from she, this. She abusive, rescued the Jews. Yeah, she I rescued rescued you from this abusive environment. 
Which uh, was what? I don't know. She she says that my dad was abu- physically abusive to her. And she did she turn on her Judaism too after she left your dad? She say fuck the Judaism. I'm going no, back. No, yes and no, but no. I mean, she was still into it. Yeah, she was still into it. He married another deaf woman, and she had. What to, is it with this deaf community? Well, the deaf are as insular a community as anyone has ever been. I mean, they're so small and so linguistically isolated, too. That's important. But they're very proud of their, like, yeah. they, they actually, from what I understand, resent people that get those implants. That's right. Yeah. The, because, the, like, we have a language. We're fine. Right. It's almost like the handicapped has defined them into a community, and now they don't want... Well, they wouldn't call themselves handicapped. Right. They would, they would call themselves deaf first and foremost well really the difference between deafness and other disabilities is that deafness necessitates a uh, a language and language creates culture right and so because the language created culture they have now a culture and now they're like we love our thing so your your father met these women through the the deaf community like he, yeah. like he, but from they, the deaf, from the deaf, um, well, they're called deaf pussy clubs, and it was where you go, you just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, you know, deaf people want to marry other deaf people often because very few people can communicate with them, uh huh, right, without getting irritated. <laughs> no, that's Jews, not <laughs> oh, the deaf. But you get double whammy yeah, there. That's right. Um, and so my father remarried a woman who did, in fact, have genetic deafness. Neither my father nor my mother did. That's why my brother and I are both hearing. But my father remarried this woman. All of their kids are deaf. All of their grandkids are deaf. Everybody, I have deaf brothers, sisters, half-sisters, stepsisters, aunts, uncles, cousins. <laughs> I, really? The, I got deaf deafness on all sides. That is amazing. So now in communicating with your father, so you can sign, I imagine. I can like really second nature like? Yeah, like I'm fully, fully fluent. In Does that language. go away? I don't know. It never has. Oh, no. you got, because you got to see your parent, your mom sometimes. Yeah, but you know, sign language was my first language. Right. I mean, I don't know what first language actually means. It was my first language. The Can first you sign lang- in Hebrew? No. Okay. No. I know some sides. But it was the but, ah, common misconception. Can you sign in Hebrew? A uh, uh, poorly constructed question. Can you sign Israeli sign language is what you mean. Because American Sign Language is not a translation of English, nor is Israeli Sign Language a translation of Hebrew. Holy shit. It's complicated. Yeah, you just condescended to me and taught me a lesson (laughs) and and tried to make it okay all at once. Is this interesting? Yeah. Well, it was up until you said poorly structured question. (laughs) (laughs) Then I kind of glazed over it. (laughs) (laughs) So. No, but how'd you get so fucked up? Well, that's a better question. No, I mean, like, you got these uh, these parents, all right, they're divorced, your mom's uh, deaf and Jewish, but she doesn't really want to be Jewish that much anymore, and you're yelling at her in sign language, and you're doing drugs. They hate each go- other. My mom tells me that my father loves my brother more than me. She, Where did yeah. your father live? Was he still Brooklyn. But you, you were in Oakland. Yeah. So what the fuck? I mean, you, you couldn't get out there. There was nothing you could do about that. Right. Uh, how did I get so fucked up? You know, I was born pretty wild. I was born pretty feral. You know, uh, like I was born real violent and real crazy. So there are some gene- uh, some sort of genetic. I mean, you know, my fa- my my grandfather had a nervous breakdown. The, the novelist had a nervous breakdown at some point. My mother's been in therapy forever. I mean, therapy. The some of the great holy rites in my family yeah. are divorce, therapy, uh, psychotherapy, 
and um, and you know Judaism, depression, depression, mental right, illness. So like so my Jewish. little brother, my little brother, my deaf little brother is like essentially schizophrenic in, in institutionalized and probably will be for the rest of his life. My uh, uh, you know so there's a lot of that. There's that uh, cloud, drug addiction, mental illness. Kind so you of. took it to the streets, though. But uh, but then I got sent to therapy when I was like six years old for the first time. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, Why? And, what, how are you acting out? Um. You know, it's so interesting to, I don't know, you know, I mean, I was wild and crazy and fighty and violent and breaky things and I would sneak in and drink perfume and I would do all kinds of crazy shit like that, like real wild, real fucking wild. I was on a leash. My mother put me on a leash when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's, but then I, then I asked myself like, was I fucked up? And then I went to therapy or did I go to therapy and got fucked up because my mom was looking for something to be wrong with me because right. she believed so deeply in therapy it's hard for me. I'm to, not so sure that like I, you know, I think like it's weird in in retrospect that a lot of that stuff. I don't know how much it helps to you. I oh, mean, I don't. Like, yeah, I can't see how. All I did was play in the. Did you go to therapy when you were a kid? Once or twice, he brought me into a room to play games. Sandbox. And, well, I was a little older, but it was board games. Like, does yeah. it, do any of these interest you? you? I'm my, like, what? What do you? You always felt like they were poking and prodding. They had no right. fucking clue. And then they would always like suck your penis and tell you not to exactly. tell your parents. Exactly. I mean, and, and that's ridiculous. I don't know how that helped me. It didn't yeah. help me at all. It's like I didn't know that was part of it. Yeah. Well, I'm um, just glad it happened to you too because I felt <laughs> weird about it. Uh, and I was in therapy from the time I was six years old until I was 16. But you steadily. ended up in a fucking mental hospital. With more and more and more. At one point I was in therapy eight, eight times a week. That's ridiculous. I mean, oh, when are you not the in therapy? But I mean, what oh. are you talking about? I mean, I was just talking about how... By the time I got, yeah, I got locked up. You don't and, even have that much life to look back on so, the process. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, and I, you know, I they diagnosed me with learning disabilities uh, when I was when I was real young, I, and mental problems. Obviously, I was in therapy and the divorce, and my grandmother being and my mother, and the Judaism, and the this, and then I was overweight, and I was had bad self esteem, and blah blah blah. And finally, I got high for the first time, and I fucking just solution everything. thank god problem solved <laughs> yeah man i was 12 years old and i was like what'd you get high on glue uh no i, I, I drank i got drunk on everclear margaritas and smoked smoked weed mm. and i felt like the weight of all of the problems i had and and also didn't know i had were gone you know you know you've heard the des description like you know, uh, booze filled in holes i didn't even know were holes until i filled them with booze you know yeah yeah um, and that was true, man. I was like, fuck. I mean, my my whole feeling was, fuck this. Like, fuck everything, you know? And um, But, of course, being that young and using that heavily and frequently, it turned around and began to very quickly create as more problems than it was solving. And so by the time I was, you know, a year or two in, there was, you know, been arrested. I mean, I didn't have the wherewithal mentally to say, oh, keep it cool. Don't yeah. do that. Don't be an idiot. Don't. Right. So I'm getting arrested all the time. People are getting fucked up and going to the hospital and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, all these crazy, all just all kinds of crazy shit yeah. is happening. This kid, we were all selling acid and one kid we sold it to in seventh grade had a heart attack and that kind of put, turned- Died? The, he lived. That kind of turned the spotlight on us, my little group. Yeah. And then everybody was watching us and it just was crazy. And then finally, one day I went to another fucking therapy session. I walked in and I like smelled something wrong. Like, first of all, there was a fat black policeman in the office, which was weird. Uh, and, um, and she started doing this different form of questioning. 
this very pointed form of questioning, you know, like, why do you do this? Right. I've heard you do that. What about right. this? What about that kid with a heart attack? This, that. And then finally it became clear. She was like, you're going to be locked up today. And uh, you can either go in an ambulance or you can go, you can go willingly. And you, and she like passed me this piece of paper and she said, just write on the piece of paper whether or not you'll go willingly to the hospital. And I just wrote, fuck you and passed her back the the paper. And that, that day I, I got locked up in Ross Hospital in Marin County, um, juvenile, mental, whatever, crazy. Shit. The crazy house. And did you freak out? Did you act crazy because you were locked up? No, you know, I had this, uh, I had this real ability to, I mean, I was livid. I mean, I was so indignant and livid and I, I just, I couldn't, I was so fucking angry that they had put me in this place. And that's all I talked about. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I've been sent here. Fuck that fucking cunt that sent me here. Um, and what's your mother doing in all this? She was the cunt. No, I'm oh. kidding. Uh, no, she's just like, my mother, I love my mother so much, but yeah. she's crazy. And uh, one of the main themes in my childhood was if I, like, there would be a, like, let's say there was a logic problem. Like, I want to go, you know, it's good for me to have this juice. And right. my mother would say, no, it's not good for you to have this juice. And it, no matter how logical it was that I could say, but the juice is good for me. No matter what, if she decided it wasn't, it wasn't. And the only way I could ever get her to relent is if we went to therapy and I ha and the therapist said, no, juice is good. And then she'd be like, okay, juice. Oh, God. And um, So it was just fighting the whole time. It was just- How long did you stay in the hospital? I was in uh, that hospital for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I remember it was on New Year's Eve. I remember being locked up on New Year's Eve. And I had to go to bed at 10 p.m. And then you ended up in a special program of some kind? And then at that point, it's I can't remember what happened next, but I got out and they referred me to my first rehab. So now I'm 13 and I've and I'm I've just gotten out of a mental hospital and I'm getting referred to and sent to my first rehab. At this so I enter rehab at uh which was a, a day program after school uh day treatment. At 13. At 13. Yeah. And then the, the and then I went back to school and I was really embarrassed, but I was also kind of into it. Like people were afraid of me and weirded out by me because they had all heard that I'd been locked up. And uh, and then, uh, you know, I mean, thank God I had this group of people, my pe my guys, yeah. you know, that we none of us gave a fuck about what was going on in the world. None of us could, we didn't give a fuck about the, uh, the, the, the conventions of, I mean, and it's a very juvenile way, but in a way it was really sort of life-saving. Like, fuck the police, fuck Oakland Public Schools, fuck adults, fuck my parents, fuck the therapy fuck everything and like it's all about us even though we were really abusive to one another like we were really vital to one another as well and we would just we so that's the only people i really cared about and how many were in that group you know those kind of groups you know they mutate five to nine yeah but then there was sort of macro groups on top of that yeah. there were older generations and younger generations homeless people that we would hang out with there was a cobbler in oakland all this took place in oakland california there was this cobbler uh and that would he would sell you uh one dollar bammer joints you know yeah. bammer is yeah. brown weed uh, -huh. uh it would sell you one dollar bammer joints or coke in a shoe <laughs> you would pass the money and you pass you a shoe <laughs> with drugs in it really yeah man it was pretty funny he was interesting because he was not only a drug peddler and a cobbler but he also managed all the va money for all the homeless crazy veterans in oakland oh really and so they he would get their check he was like their uh what's the advocate or whatever uh -huh. But he was also like this 
drug dealer. Yeah, he'd be like, whatever. It's an interesting, make shoes? It was an interesting time. Do you seem like you got everybody get taken care of? Seems like it. A lot of them, most of them are dead. So these, so, no. so, uh, <laughs> so this was on the streets of Oakland that you defined it. But these, right. these, but you were not. This wasn't a gang. I mean, it was not a gang in the sense that we weren't like tough. With you, but all white guys. All white guys. Yeah. It was a very particular time in Oakland, though. It was the early '90s when there was, you know, we were like the murder capital of of the world, and yeah. the murderers, the 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 black uh, gangster in East Oakland was to us, and not that whatever uh, the the black gangster in East Oakland the gangster rapper Too Short Spice One right these are all rappers that were starting to get really prominent at that time Drew Down all these kind of people that was to us the highest goal that was the coolest social rung so you know I've never murdered anyone but I talked a lot about it when I was a kid like it was like almost a thing you would brag about like oh I you know I want uh, you know I'll kill that fool I'm down to uh. yeah that was like what you would want to be and you were you must have been very aggressive because you're still oh. aggressive like I mean even when I saw you when you middle for me you made me uncomfortable because yeah. not because i was mentioned that many times not because i was physically threatened but there was an edge to you that didn't seem to have much control over it uh-huh that's interesting i didn't i mean do you know what i mean though like you you hadn't like i i, I couldn't tell whether you were uncomfortable on stage or or angry in general mm-hmm. or 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 whether you were doing it on purpose but you definitely seemed like like something was you seemed disgruntled that's interesting because back then i feel like i was more happy-go-lucky than I am now. I feel I like know, you seem to have some shit together now, though. You seem a little more control of your s- talent. W- that Thanks. I believe that. But I've also settled into myself as a human a little bit more. You know, when I was 20... Well, this is getting out of it. But when I was 20 and 25... Is that like, when I met you? Probably. 25, probably. I was really... Um, had no cares in the world. I really was like supremely just happy about everything I, but you're very hip hopped out yeah and you were like you know like it just seemed like your face looked strained and you like I, I couldn't quite figure out <laughs> what was funny about I was, you <laughs> you are a supreme dick <laughs> not 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 in that way but like you were so like even now like you're funny because your craft is in place and but you definitely ride a line like of of being angry like if any any if anybody was going to sit down and listen to you for five minutes i mean it, it and they didn't know what they were listening to it's not like your jokes are, are you not writing one-liners? Oh yeah, I can't. I, unfortunately, and and you talk over laughter yeah. on purpose. Right. So I mean, don't, I'm not trying to be a dick. I just like a lot of times I can watch somebody. It wasn't that you weren't doing well. Right. It's just like I can't quite figure out what the what the trick is. Well, I think at the time, I mean, this goes into a discussion of what it means to be a great comedian. But I think at the time, I was. Uh, this is one of my bigger realizations as a comedian in general is like, it's not really to be a great, it's not really about figuring out how to do well. I think you, I'm sure you already, I mean, you already know that or whatever, but I, I'm not, I'm sure I'm not reinventing any wheel, but it's, you know, it's like when I first started doing open mics, I was doing well. Yeah. So I thought, fucking, I got this. But then it took me like five years to realize like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing at all. Really. Right. And then, you know, a few more years to go, oh, okay this is what it's about. It's about being like myself and, and whether I'm doing well or not, like having a genuine expression, like wh- how I feel on stage now outside of the country of Ireland is uh, like, I feel comfortable that I'm really giving my own show. Like I read this review recently about the shows I did in Indiana. It was a very, very positive review, but it was saying that like, you know, he wanted to hear more 
crowd work because he thought that was the best part of the show. Right. And he was like, you know, that was my favorite part and it should, there should have been more of that. And I thought to myself, like, this guy doesn't get what it means to have a show. You know, what it means to have a show is that I'm doing material and then I'm weaving it into crowd work and then back in material, that's a show. If I just go out and do, you know, uh, 45 minutes of crowd work, that's a different sh- That's a different thing. That's- You're doing a Greg Proof style? What's, is that what Greg does? Well, no, just sort of weaving in and out. Like he'll do yeah. a little crowd work and then you know watch from bits to from the crowd. Work. That's how I do. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen you do an hour. No, and I think I'm better there. In an hour, I think. Well, I think I'm better in a long set because it gives me time. Uh, it gives me not only time in terms of what you're talking about. It gives me not only time to uh, to to introduce my myself so that people can accept the aggression, but I it also gives me time to rhythmically go out of the aggression. Because because there's I, I'm very aff, uh, aff, I th- I feel like I'm lovable actually on stage when I have time to stretch out. Yeah, I'm not just trying to punch you in the face. I do my thing. I do my aggressive ranty bits, but then I jump out of them and go into crowd work where I'm sort. You can see more of my soft underbelly, and then I jump back into this uh, bravado ranty. Yeah, I feel I feel like I have that a bit myself. I think you do. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, when did you make the shift? Though? I mean, you don't have any black in you at all anymore. I mean, you were full on sort of a uh, hip hop guy, right? I mean, there st- it still comes out though. Uh, in 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 reality, like I I I talk. My I mean, it doesn't sound like it, but I I I mean, my you know Louis Katz, right? Yeah. Louis comes up to me and he's like, yeah, he's after, funny. He's super funny. Yeah. Um. You know, he came up to me after we worked together in Austin. He's like, oh, I think I, he's like, you know what's interesting about you is you're like this gay hip-hop gangster Jew fag. You don't exist. (laughs) It's like there's different stuff going on at once. And when I'm able to stretch out, I can show those different aspects of who I am. So the hip-hop stuff does come out sometimes when I'm I'm interacting, when I'm doing, you know. uh, But it's it's all about um, juxtaposition. I mean, you know. It's about me saying it. That's what's funny about it. It's Alter- like, why is this weird? Alternating between the one yeah. thing or the other. But this is sounding like an ego fest. I, that's not what I... That's not what you plan to do? No, like lauding my own act. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think... I love your act, too. Oh, thank you. I think you're at a place now where you do that. You're just going to have to accept it. You know, my dad's been dead for a long time, so it's good to have you around. Oof. That was a good one. So, uh, how are the girls treating you? <laughs> I hate pussy. Come on now. You know me, Mark. Uh, I'm, my love life is a wasteland. Yeah. Yeah, wasteland. That's the last piece. You know your joke about when you go to the therapist and they, they say the thing and you go, oh, okay, and you put it into the little puzzle behind you. Oh, where I like, come home, like, where my mother said, I just, when you were a baby, I just didn't know how to love you. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, can you go into therapist? I got it. Yeah. I got the piece. We're done. <laughs> hey, we're all Where's done. Where's the puzzle? And then there it goes. You just click it in and like warm, glowing light starts <laughs> coming out from it. Like, you are holistically healed. <laughs> I'm there. I feel like um, that's women for me. What's your pussy problem? I just, I don't have a problem. I just can't be, I've just, I, I'm 30 years old. I've never had a really significant, serious relationship with a woman. Why do you think that is? I'm sure it's all connected. No, In but fact, I mean, what is it that, but what, what bothers you about it? I mean, you ha- I feel, have to have had situations where it would seem close, where you guys were yeah, hanging out a yeah. lot. I get panicked. I freak out. What's the I fear? Feel trapped. Why you're, oh, yeah. I feel trapped like a trapped rat. Right. Uh, like feel, you're always going to be here. I f- yeah, and like you're, you're, you're gonna. Uh, I feel physically claustrophobic sometimes. I, yeah, I know I'm better. That. Thank God, I've been I've been in therapy for a long time. Yeah. about it, and I'm better now than I was. And I feel I feel like I'm ready. I'm cl- or I'm close to ready at this yeah. point in my life. I just haven't found the person yet 
who I'm willing to make that big sacrifice because to me it's scary and it's not just about pussy but it, it you know it is about pussy too but it's all connected to me it's like you know the leash when I was a kid my mother's cl- over you know claustrophobia being locked up thinking I was black doing stand-up comedy choosing a life where it's difficult to be in a relationship anyway being on the road not having a girlfriend sexual compulsivity it's all the same thing it's all this little this little me okay yeah so you're available got it I'm not a yeah no I say I'm available but I'm willing to try okay we'll um, put that out there you want to do a contest of some kind <laughs> yeah hey you're tuned in the WTF podcast this is Moshe Kasher and special guest of Mark Merritt today and I want to say we've got a contest going now if you are a young Jewish lady ages 23 to preferably 25 to 30 you are successful don't mind a man that it's emotionally unavailable and physically absent this is your opportunity to win big uh, the first 10 callers get the opportunity at heartbreak, uh, but a charming young man who knows how to dress himself. That's right, ladies. <laughs> Call now. In many ways, I'm still, you know, you asked me why I don't have a girlfriend. <laughs> I really think it's. I'm still dealing with the chaos. I'm still, I feel a lot better. I feel like a normal, I do feel like a well-adjusted, normal, generally, you know, I'm neurotic, but I'm a Jew, what, what that's to be expected. Yeah. But I feel like a pretty together, uh, integrated person, but there are there are edges of my soul and there are you know deep you know uh wells in my soul that if i go if i swim down far enough i get to the scary stuff that was there in the first place yeah also the big question is is there room for somebody else i want there to be so yes okay we're putting out there that's out there twice now (laughs) so i think we filled in the holes i I appreciate you coming it was a good conversation you're lucky to be alive. Yeah, amen. Thank you. Moshe Kasher. Thanks, Mark. You bet. So this is interesting, folks. Uh, there is a, a performer here in Hollywood named Rudy Gazzoni. Uh, he does a monthly show at the Steve Allen Theater here. Once in- a month monthly show uh, here at the Steve Allen Theater in uh, Los Feliz. It's Los Feliz. Oh, it's Los Feliz. It's sort of on the uh, the border between Los Feliz and uh, <clears throat> Hollywood, Southern Hollywood. Right. It's on It's on Sunset. It's like Vermont and, and Hollywood. Yeah, it's around there. Yeah. It's a small theater. I've worked Close there. Close to that. Right. Yeah. Now, nice, nice little place. Yeah. Now, now, what's interesting is that uh, people who have, have not heard of, of you don't realize that you claim to be. Is it claim to be? Can we say claim to be? Well, there's a lot of, there's a, a lot has been, what I will say is that a lot has been written about it. Yeah. And, and uh, on the, uh, the the blogs, you know, that, blogs, you know, blog stuff. Sure, sure. We're, yeah. on, on the computers. They do that, a lot of stuff, a lot of work on this. That you, you are Frank Sinatra's son. That's what they, that's what they say. I cannot confirm and I, I will not deny. Well, I understand. Do you understand? Right. But you, you, you know who your mother is. Sure. And well, what's the backstory on this? And I mean, if you, you so you're not going to claim to be Sinatra's son. You're I'm just... not. This is this is this is not what this is about. This is about you're interviewing an entertainer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this is this is not going to be about me. Uh, you know, proving disproving the DNA lineage that I in in possess in, in possession of. Oh, oh so that's so... mine. On her deathbed, my mother told me. On her deathbed, when she's dying. Right. In a uh, hospital. Yeah. 
She's in said, New Jersey, a hospital. So she said that Frank Sinatra was your father. She said that she was in Vegas uh, about nine months before I was born, and uh, she went to go see this, I will not name names. Okay. Went to go see this beautiful blue-eyed crooner yeah. at a show. Frank Sinatra. Mm, whatever. Right. Okay. Blue eyes. You right. get the picture. I get it. He points at her through the show, waves her up. Come after the show, you and me, come at that. Yeah. And then on her deathbed, she explains that he had her every which way, in the, which is hard to hear when your mother says, he bent me over a coffee table. Right. Or, yeah. You know. Well, it's always hard to picture your parents in that situation. And just, now, yeah. But my, my question is, is that. Dear know, old dad. Dear old dad. Sure. But I mean, why wouldn't you. Uh, why why wouldn't you, you capitalize on that? I mean, why wouldn't you go get the DNA test and 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 you know and get some uh, you know get the proper because I, I at at every every conceivable junction I've been blocked by the by uh, members of the actual DNA holding family. They won't they won't come near me by the Sinatra family. Tina and uh, Hoo Ha and Jimmy Joe Frank Jr. Yes, that one. Yeah, and Bobby. Bobby, I, I don't, I, I don't. There's another one named, but they don't talk about him. And there's another one. There's a few more of us around Nancy. So you're saying a few more <clears throat> illegitimate Sinatra kids? Could be. Do you talk to them? A lot of times, I don't. So now, do you sing? I mean, what do you do with the shows? Do yeah, we sing some lovely songs, yeah. and uh, there's a couple comedians come on, do some funny things. You should come on sometime. Oh boy, that'd be that'd be nice. You and your and your bit of rant. Yeah, no, that's I, fun to do in a show. Do you have a band? Do you have a combo? We do have a band. There's a fellow Andy Paley, who's a very lovely musician, and and uh, he plays the piano. Yeah, do you, and uh, he plays an organ. And we got a, a Chinese fellow, half Chinese, half American. Huh? He he plays the piano. Do you do your father's music? I do some of the. Uh, I we do some Sinatra tunes. We do uh, "Fly Me to the." I mean, the moon and yeah, such, one yeah. for my baby, and uh, yeah. a few of those. And then I have a uh, an original piece that we usually do, up, yeah. to, up to my ass in snatch, uh-huh. one we do. Uh-huh. A song about the old days, when sure. there was hot and cold running coos. Right. Yeah. So, sort of like maybe your mother was during... The- come on, come on, come on. That's not funny stuff. It's not funny stuff. If I wasn't in the room and you're talking to, you know... Todd Berry's or whoever. Yeah. That's funny. You all can have a good laugh, but it's not funny stuff. It's not funny shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on. All right. Well, I'm just saying it's that- It's just not. But I mean- you, She had her problems. But but I'm saying that on some level, back in the day, your mom was you know swept with Frank Sinatra. I mean, it was a voluntary thing. I mean, I don't- That, that was the thing. Who knows how voluntary it was? Who knows? Oh, so you're suggesting that perhaps Frank Sinatra might have raped your mother. <laughs> hey, whoa. Oh. What? Hey. Sorry. You prick. All right. Listen to me. I'm, Don't be I'm a like, cock. You're being a cock. Okay. All right. You're right. I'll, I'll back cock off. Sucker. All right. Listen. Oh. Have you... What? I apologize. That, that was uncalled for. I mean, Thank a guy, you know, in your position who's unwilling to take a position on something that could change his life, I, I don't want to make your life any worse. Thank you. Yeah. Now, have you ever, have you heard from the... I know that if Frank Sinatra had, had mob ties. Yes. Do, do you get... Any, any, have you been threatened or? Some people tell me I should say less. Frankly, not saying much at all other than then you might be Frank Sinatra's illegitimate son who does a show and sings. Right? That sounds like enough. Do you make money? Yeah, like a million dollars a year. What the fuck is it to you? 
How much do you make a year, fucking Mr. Rockefeller? Huh? I, Shannon don't make much money? Fuck no, you, Marin. No, what I'm saying is is that I would think The that studio ain't the Hilton. It's the Cat Ranch, thank you. Oh, Cat Ranch. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of coos running around here, too. Hey. Yeah. Marin made a joke. Ding, 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 ding. What time is it? Write it down, everybody. All right, all right. I guess I deserve that. I had that coming. So... <laughs> So do you do you, do you, uh, do, you do uh, these boots are made for walking? No, I don't. That's a Nancy tune. Well, I figure you do, you know, Frank's tunes. So maybe you do. No, no, no. I don't do Nancy's. Or Frank yeah. Jr.'s though. Funny story though. Yeah. No, nah, I don't have a funny story. <laughs> I like saying that though. Funny story though <laughs> about these boots are made for walking. We don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, screw it. Are are you uh, high as a kite? Do you drink? Do you on your are you? Do I drink? Yeah. Does the Pope shit in the the woods? No. The Pope. You know what I'm saying. I do. The, you know what I mean. The bear shit's in the woods. Oh, come on. How do you open the show usually? Do you do it? I've got you under my house. Yeah. I've got you deep in that old crawl space, so deep in the ground, baby, there ain't going to be no trace. So oh, I've got you under my house. So I, it, It's a little funny thing I do with the lyrics to the song, I Got You Under My Skin. I've replaced them with the lyrics of a... Uh, it's called molesting serial killer. It's a parody. Yeah. So you yeah. you you're sort of taking the the legacy of your keep uh, going. You're taking the legacy thin ice of the of the man that you claim to be your father. You prick. And, what? I do some funny stuff in the show. Leave it at that. I'm sorry, man. I I don't know why I want to pick on you. You know, and, then, uh, and you get all defensive. That's what we're after here at the Mark Marone podcast. It's Marone. Did you drop the eye, Marone? No, I'm a Jew. Hold on there. Yeah. It's not Maroni. But like Padron is is, is someone from Padroni. But they just... No. Elisani took off the eye. No, it's not. You're a Jew. I'm a Jew. <sighs> come on. You're going to tell me you didn't love Sammy Davis? He was a... Come on. What? He like he wasn't a real Jew. You don't think that your father, your supposed father, didn't uh, work for Jews? I mean, what uh, do you think? I just didn't know. All right. So I, I thought it was an I thought it was an Italian thing, and we were. Uh, what you want to go? What do you? you no, nah, it's like the Jews though to pull something like that. Uh, Rudy Cazzoni is uh, might be Frank Sinatra's son because his mother was a coos back in the day when they had coos. Yeah, a lot of coos around. Honey dripper. Oof. Boy, <laughs> you've you've changed your tune from five minutes ago. I know. Thanks for being here. Sure. Fair yeah. enough. This is never going to make your podcast, is it? It might. <laughs> That's our show. As always, uh, please go to WTFPod.com. Enjoy uh, whatever you need to enjoy there. Get on the mailing list. I'm using it, keeping people updated on our guests and my comings and goings and theirs sometimes with some tidbits that I don't usually uh, put on the podcast, special deals, this and that. You can go to WTF Pod Shop and pick up uh, your premium episodes. We have the the newest episode from Aspen, Colorado is up. The first Live at Comics one is also up. Those are $2.99 a piece. Enjoy those. And if you'd like to get some JustCoffee.coop, you can get that at WTFPod.com. And you could also subscribe or buy some T-shirts. Do what you want. Love having you. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Moshe Kasher, for being on the show.